it says stream started and we're super excited about church today because I don't have the screen rotation lock button pushed and so I'm not coming at you sideways. Like literally last week I was coming at you sideways. Super excited about Second Chance today and for those of you watching online and in the room, pay, hang in there till the very end because at the very end I'm going to be talking about our Easter services and talking about the fact that we're doing tickets, free tickets, free tickets, okay? We're not selling them. Um, we're going to ask you not to sell them. I'm going to go more into that more um, at the end of the message. But we're going to talk about the ticket, tickets for the Easter services, the Easter service times, how you can get tickets. All that information is going to be at the end of our message today. If you have a Bible with you, go ahead and go to Genesis 29. Genesis 29. We're going to go back and forth between Genesis 28 and 29 as we continue our 5G series um, on the core values of Second Chance Church. Now, last week, we talked about the first value, which was grace. grace. Yeah, people in the room were listening. It was grace. We talked about the grace of God, and it was awesome because the grace of God was shown to me because I was an idiot and couldn't get the rotate. Anyway, enough about that. So we talked about grace. This week, we're going to talk about the second value, the second core value we have at Second Chance Church, and it's grow. So if the first value is grace... The second value is grow. Let me, let me kind of start today by saying this. I had a friend um, several years ago, and all of us probably have people like this in our lives, where um, they tell the truth, but they could say it in a nicer way. I don't know if you've ever had somebody in your life like that, where, where they just say something, you're like, oh, I wouldn't have said it like that. So I had this friend, and he kept coming to me, complaining to me about his parents. He said, um, he would say, my parents are out of shape, my parents are out of shape, and he had graduated from college and everything, and, but he was still living at home with his mom and dad, which we didn't, we didn't talk about that. But he, was like, my, he said, my parents are out of shape, my parents are out of shape, I wish they would do something. And I said, well, have you considered talking to them about it? And, um, and that's what I shouldn't have said. I shouldn't have said that because, remember, he's very blunt, he's very to the point. So he goes home one night, and he, he talks to his mom and dad, and he says this, not making this up, true story. He's like, um, hey, mom and dad, can I get a picture of you? Yeah, could y'all get together? Could I get a picture of you? And they're like, sure. Why do you want a picture of us? And he goes, well, I'm not married yet, but one of these days I'm going to get married. Um, and we're going to have some, some kids. They're going to be your grandkids. But both of you will probably be dead by the time the grandkids are born. Um, yeah, right? And so, so because you're out of shape. And so I wanted to kind of go ahead. So this, um, which by the way, I'm not endorsing that type of motivation, but this motivated his parents. And the next day they ordered the uh, P90X videos. Now, if you're going to start working out, P90X is not what I would recommend for a starter, but they got P90X and they told their son, we got the P90X videos and, and everything was going to be great. Well, he walks, he gets home from work one night and he hears the P90X videos on the television. He can hear Tony Horton like telling people what to do. So he walks into the living room. Once again, you can't make this up. He walks into the living room the dad is in the recliner. The mom is on the couch. They're both eating a bowl of ice cream watching P90X videos. True story. And so he is, um, he is fascinated by this. And he's like, what, what are you doing? And they're like, well, we just thought we'd watch the videos to kind of learn a little bit more about it before we started actually doing it. And, and the problem is is they never, ever, they never, ever did the videos. They would just sit 
and watch them at night, which we all know that if you're just watching stuff like that, it does you no good. It's, it's not what you know about exercise. It's about, it's about what you apply when it comes to exercise. And the same thing is true when it comes to the grace of God. It's not enough to just know we've actually got to grow. When it comes to the grace of God, it's not enough to just know about the grace of God, but we've got to grow in the grace of God. It's not enough just to know we've got to be willing to take next steps and grow. I love the fact that we talked about Jacob last week and how Jacob had an incredible encounter with God in the house of God. Remember that? Well, Genesis chapter, that was Genesis 28. Genesis chapter 29, verse 1, I love this. The Bible says, Then Jacob continued on his journey and came to the land of the eastern peoples. Now, I don't know who the eastern peoples are, but that's Jacob. The Bible says he continued on his journey. So Jacob had this incredible life um, changing encounter with God, but he didn't stay there. He kept moving. He kept going. He kept taking his next steps. And so that's what we're going to talk about in this message. Now, I want to calm everybody down in the room or online. I'm not going to talk about getting immersed in Christian activity. Because um, if you're from a church background, you'll get this. If you're not from a church background, you're just going to have to take, take my word for it. Um, when I first became a Christian, I stepped into a culture that was immersed in Christian activity because they equated Christian activity with spiritual maturity. And the more activities you were involved in, the more mature that you were. But in reading of the scriptures, we'll discover that the most active people spiritually were also the ones that killed Jesus. So Christian activity doesn't always equal spiritual maturity. So I, once again, when I first became a Christian, we had this thing called Sunday school. And if you're not familiar with Sunday school, which by the way, horrible name, don't know who came up with that name, but Sunday school. And so it was like a Bible study on Sunday morning. And then you would go to a worship service, which was another hour. And then we had discipleship training, which was like a Bible study on Sunday night. And then we had worship service. So that's like four hours of Bible on, on Sunday. And then on Monday night, we would have a Bible study. We actually called it a Bible study. And then Tuesday night, we had church visitation, which we would go randomly cold call people that were stupid enough to give us their address um, if they had visited the Sunday before. And then Wednesday, we had prayer meeting, which we never really prayed at prayer meeting, but we just called it prayer meeting. And then after that, you had choir practice. There was always something to do. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about getting so immersed in activity that we have no time to actually be godly. I want us to talk about what it's going to look like at Second Chance Church for us to really grow in the grace of God and as individuals, what it's going to mean to grow in the grace of God. And, and we're going to do it today by using the, the acrostic GROW, G-R-O-W. I personally like acrostics because they help me remember stuff. So G-R-O-W is what we're going to talk about. And the letter G in GROW stands for the, the word gratitude. Gratitude. Gratitude is one of those things that will propel us forward in our walk with God more than just about anything we could ever imagine. But we live in a culture, um, and I'm guilty of this, so let me just go ahead and say, I'm, we live in a culture of entitlement, and the problem with entitlement is entitlement will push gratitude completely out of our lives. 
Several years ago, I went to um, Los Angeles. I was speaking at an event out there, and I took a lot of people on this trip. It was a lot of fun. And um, I took my daughter, Karis, who I've also nicknamed her the Holy Spirit because she just has the ability to just to cut right. Um, it, lots of stories. Anyway, so we got to the hotel, and the hotel completely botched the reservation. Um, and, and then by, hotels always make it feel, feel, make you feel like it's your fault. They're like, could the reservation be in another name? I mean, yeah, yeah. anyway, so they botched the reservation, and I'm angry. I have, I'm, I'm angry about it. I'm angry at the hotel. I'm complaining. I'm fussing. I'm like, I can't believe they did this. And we get in the elevator, and it's me, elevator built for two, and there's like 17 of us in there. So I'm mad about that. And, and I literally said out loud, I can't believe this freaking hotel and how bad they screwed up our reservations. And Karis, Karis, at the time, she's like five or six, all she does was say, Daddy, shouldn't we just be thankful that we have a room? Yeah, yeah. So I made her sleep outside um, just to kind of teach her. And I didn't, I didn't. but she was right. She was right, but, but because things weren't going my way, I got so focused on what I didn't have that I lost sight of what I did, did have, and that caused me to have no gratitude in my life. So as we're reading about Jacob, Jacob in Genesis 28, verse 16, Jacob has this encounter with God, and he wakes up from the dream, and listen to what he says. Verse 16, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone that he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. This was an act of worship. This was an act of gratitude. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. That Jacob was showing Gratitude. The Bible says in Psalm 122, verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Not I was mad or not I was sad. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. So as a church, we're always going to practice this thing called gratitude. When people get saved, by the way, 47 people received Christ last week. We're going to be, we're going to have gratitude. We're going to say thank or whether it's 1,000, we're going to have gratitude. We're going to have gratitude when prodigals come home. You see, religion won't allow you to celebrate gratitude because religion doesn't see where they came from. Religion just points to what they do and do not do that's right. But when a prodigal comes home, I don't care how they got there, we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate when lost people get found. We're going to celebrate when excluded get included. We're going to celebrate when chains of addictions are broken and people are set free and the gates of hell get pushed back a little bit further and God gets the glory for it all. We're going to be a church that's all about celebration and gratitude because the opposite of that is entitlement and that is a place that none of us want to be. Now, not only is that going to be true about our church, it's, it should be true about our lives as well. If we're going to grow, then we should be full of gratitude. And if, we take so many things for granted. I remember several years ago, I went on a mission trip to Kenya. And um, one of the things that stood out to me the most is how hard many of the places that I went, um, how hard they had to work just to get water in the village. Like you hear stories about people walking one mile, two miles. I didn't hear it. I saw 
people walk a mile or two just to get water. And then I came home, I remember coming home one morning and brushing my teeth. Now we all do this. We run the water, we brush our teeth, we leave the water running. And I'm brushing my teeth and all of a sudden I look down at water running and I'm like, my God, I've got running water. It was a, it was a moment for me just to stop and say, thank you, God, for something that I clearly just lose sight of so often. So how many times this week when we get angry, is it actually an opportunity to practice gratitude? Like the next time you're in a drive-thru and it's not going fast enough, but, and we've all been there, we've, we've all been there, stop and think. Instead of this isn't going fast enough, think about the fact that people are cooking food for you. And they're going to bring it to your car. And you don't even have to go inside. That's, that's an opportunity for gratitude. Or when you're at the grocery store and you get behind the little old lady, not being sexist, it's always a little old lady that A, has to count out the correct change, and B, has 4.7 million coupons, all right? You get behind it. Just, it's a chance to stop and say, you know what, God? I'm in a store full of food. They've got all kinds of stuff here. This is an opportunity for gratitude. The next time you're driving in traffic and somebody is going slow in the left lane, that's an exception. You don't have to be gracious there, but in all other situations, we have an opportunity to, be, to, to show gratitude. So here's an activity in spiritual growth this week. Just sit down at some point, write out three things that you're thankful for, and just tell God, thank you for these things. That is an exercise in growth. Doesn't take a lot of time, but it'll make a huge difference in our lives. Letter G stands for gratitude. By the way, by the way, I noticed this in just reading through the Gospel of Matthew. Gratitude often precedes blessing. So in the feeding of the 5,000 and in the feeding of the 4,000, Jesus gave thanks before the miracle ever took place. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, Sometimes the reasons miracles don't take place is because we don't have an attitude of gratitude that actually ushers that miracle in. Whole nother message for a whole nother time. Super excited about it though. Letter R stands for rest. Rest. A word that I hate. It's a four letter word. Literally, it's a four letter word, rest. Rest. Now, just a really quick question for those watching online and for those in the room. How many would say, that in the month of February, what are, what, what's the day here? It's February 18th. Yep. So Feb, in the month of February, you've experienced a significant amount of stress this month. How many would honestly say that? Okay. Yes, yeah, everybody. Um, notice my hand was up. Here's, here's what I want to say. Sometimes stress happens and it's just, it just happens. But here's reality. Oftentimes, our, an increase in stress is directly connected to our unwillingness to rest. Let me say that again. Oftentimes, an increase in stress is directly connected to our unwillingness to rest. I know that's true for me. I know that's true physically. Like when I first started working out, so when I very start, first started working out, I had no idea what I was doing. So I would go to the gym and this is what I knew. I wanted a big chest and big arms. I wanted, I wanted big chest and big arms. So I would literally work my chest and work my biceps three to four times per week, okay? Now, if you know anything about working out, that's stupid. You don't, you don't work them that hard, but like it made sense. I want big chest, big arms. I'm going to work them three to four times a week. And after I'd done this for about a month, 
I wasn't getting stronger. I was getting weaker. I was tired all the time. And a guy in the gym named Bob who was shredded, I mean, shredded. I mean, you could wash your shirt on this man's stomach. He was shredded. <laughs> he kind of pulled me aside and said, would you like some advice? Now, in the gym, I don't always want advice, but when somebody like Bob wants to give you advice, you always listen to Bob because Bob obviously knows what he's talking about. Either that or he did steroids. I don't, I, don't, I don't think he did, I think it was clean, but anyway, Bob said, you're working too hard. And I was like, come on, Bob. And he goes, no, 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 you're working too hard. He said, you need to work your chest about once a week and you need to work your biceps once a week. And then after that, you need to let them rest. I was like, I don't know, that makes sense. He goes, he said, stress is good. He said, some stress is good because it stresses the muscle. He said, but after you stress that muscle, you've got to give it time to rest. And, and the thing that got me was, you know what? Bob had a chest that you could put like a coffee mug on. He had arms that were humongous. Like, you know how somebody has, every once in a while, you'll see a Bible verse like, you know, Psalm 1-1. Okay, he had he could have written the book of Psalms on his arms. I mean, that's how big they were. And so I was like, well, that's where I want to be. So I want to listen to that guy. So I began to absolutely rest. Now, I still don't have a big chest or big arms, but it was that thing that taught me how important rest was. Let's go back to Jacob's story from last week. Jacob, in Genesis chapter 28, verse 10, the Bible says this. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. And after that, he had a life-changing life encounter with God. Don't miss this. He had a life-changing encounter with God when he stopped to rest. Sometimes we feel like it's all that we do for God, when in reality, sometimes it's just resting and realizing that all God has done for us. Let me say that again, because that's not even in my notes. That was really good. Um, sometimes we think, of, we think it's about all the activities we do for God, but many times spiritual growth is the result of us stopping and realizing that all that God has done for us. And maybe, maybe just an activity this week, and this will be hard for some people, this will be hard for me, is to cut off your phone for five minutes. Five minutes, okay? Five minutes. Um, shut off your computer and just say, hey, God, what would you like to say to me? And just be still for five minutes. Isn't it funny in Psalm 4610, the Bible says, be still and know that I'm, I'm God, not be busy. And I'm the world's worst at this. Be still and know that I'm God. So as a church and as individuals, we're going to continually take time. Listen, we're going to work hard. We're going to play hard. But they're going to rest when God says to rest. Rest is essential for spiritual growth. Letter O stands for openness. 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 Now, um, if you follow me on Instagram stories, uh, you'll see that I ran eight miles this morning. I crushed it. Eight miles at an 827 pace, which for this guy is awesome. Some of you can run faster and praise God for you. Um, I hate you. But, but 
but it reminded me, and I'm considering, I'm considering a half marathon, not a full marathon, because many of you, if you follow me for any amount of time, you know my marathon story. It didn't go well. For those of you who don't know, really quick review, at mile 22.6, less than four miles from the finish line, I bonked is what runners call it. Um, I completely passed out on the side of the road. I remember, I remember running and then I remember nothing. That, that's what it was. And I don't even think you can, I was more like walking fast or I actually wasn't walking fast. Anyway, so when I woke up, this is, this is crazy. This is how much God, every once in a while, God will remind you that he loves you. There was a medical doctor sitting next to me. Like he, he had me, like he had his hand under my head and he was talking to me um, like a medical doctor, not like a, a PhD doctor, but like a medical doctor, like science medical doctor. He had seen me pass out and he ran to my aid. How awesome is that? Like, because I could have had like a, anyway, it could have been somebody else. If I call a particular profession, then some of you are probably work that profession and I'm going to get hate mail this week and I don't need any more of that. So, <laughs> so the doctor the doctor is trying to help me. He's qualified to help me, but I didn't understand what was going on because I was, I think I'd hit my head. They, they think I hit my head. Um, I didn't really understand what was going on. So I, I'm trying to swing at the doctor. Like I'm trying to punch him in the face. Um, but it was real good for him because my body, could, I couldn't move because I was dehydrated. So I was kind of doing this right here. So it really looked like I was convulsing and having a whatever. But I, here's the deal. He knew how to help me. I just, I, I wasn't convinced that he knew what he was doing. And I spent a lot of time trying to fight him. So, look, so, so I wasn't open to receiving his help. So with that in mind, let me just ask a question. And only you can answer this. Are you open to what God wants to do in your life? Are you open? Or... Do you spend a lot of time trying to fight him? Because this is what I've discovered personally, just for me. I can wear myself out fighting God when at the end of the day, and we talked about this last week, we talked about this last week, his plans for us are higher than our plans for us. His plans for us are greater than our plans for ourselves. And at the end of the day, God wants more for us than we want for us. So that should, listen, it should cause us to be, just hold things with an open hand, open hands and say, you know what, Lord, I don't know what you want to do in my life, with my life, but here I am, I am open. Now, I'm gonna pause real quick and say, this is an easy concept to grasp. It's not an easy concept to follow through on. Every single person here, we've all known that God wanted something for us, but we fought him on it, or we've resisted him on it, or we've just simply said, I don't want to do that. And if that's how you felt, I want to bring you some comfort today. Because even Jesus wrestled with being completely open. Now, I know for some of you, especially with Sunday School Theology, that blows up this myth of Jesus that you've always carried around. But I found it, I found it compelling this week that Jesus, and when I was reading through the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 26, 
Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we always focus on the last part of this prayer, but we never really look at the first part of this prayer. This is what Jesus prayed. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. The Bible says, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. In other words, God, I would rather not do this. Have you ever, have you ever seen that? Because I've never seen it this week. Jesus, Jesus absolutely said, God, this is, this, I, I'm not excited about the beating. I'm not excited about the crucifixion. I'm not excited about death. I'm not excited about it. But, but here's, here's the key. Here's where this all comes around when he finishes it by saying, yet not as I will, but as you will. In other words, Jesus was honest enough. Remember, we talked about honesty over the past couple weeks. Jesus was saying, this isn't the path I would have chosen, but you know what? I'm open. And, and he went through a crucifixion, which led to a resurrection. And sometimes when we say yes to God, we don't see the blessings immediately. But I believe if we hang in there, we'll see them eventually. I, listen, this is what I've learned just in ministry, in my own life, and in ministering to others. The most out-of-control area of our lives is probably the area where we're the least open to what God wants to do. Let me say it again. The most out-of-control area of our lives is most likely the area where we're least open to what God wants to do. So, it's just, it's just a, it's a, it's a spiritual growth exercise. What is the area where you feel like God is speaking into that you're resisting him the most? I'm not saying, I, listen, I resist, you resist, we all resist. But would you just take the words of Jesus this week and say, not as I will, but as you will, and just be open, open. As far as a church, we're always going to be open to what God wants to do. We're going to be open to where God wants to take us. We're going to be open to what God, um, to the type of people that God brings in our, in our building. We're going to be open. And we're and G R O G gratitude, R rest, O openness, letter W stands for worship, worship, which I want to go ahead and say worship is a confusing word um, because we've taken the word worship and we've so, um, neutered it, if you will. And we've, we've taken a word that has profound implications and we've reduced it to singing. Okay, singing is a part of worship, but worship is so much more than singing. In fact, we've reduced it to, um, sometimes you go to a church and I never will forget the first time, true story, first time I went to a church where they raised their hands um, it was a charismatic church. They all had tambourines and they all raised their hands. I, don't, I still can't figure out the tambourines and ribbons. Um, but, but they raised their hands in worship. And I was confused because I was like, this person has a question and they're singing. And oh, he's got two questions because he's got two hands raised. I literally, I was so confused about this. And they were telling me, oh, they're worshiping. And so what we've taken, we've taken a word that can mean so many things, and we've reduced it down to somebody that raises their hands in the message. But 
people that raise their hands aren't always worshiping because I've seen with my own eyes, and if you've been in church, you've seen this too, people with one hand raised and then the other hand with a cell phone, checking their status and double tapping on things. And some have been swiping right. We don't, another message for another time. Um, but, but I'm like, that's not worship. That's not worship. Worship, worship, I heard somebody define it this way. And it made so much sense to me when he said this. Worship is everything we do say, touch, and feel. Worship is everything we do say, touch, and feel. So while raising our hands in, in a worship service is a part of worship, for me, for me, from time to time, I'm just going to be honest with you, eating mac and cheese is, an, is, is worship. Now some of you are like, no, it can't be. Well, if you pause, first of all, if you eat Wanda's mac and cheese, it's, it's always worship. <laughs> Said that because she's in the room. She makes great mac and cheese. But if you'll pause, and this has happened a couple times, you just pause and you think, you know what? God didn't have to bless us with taste buds. But he gave us the ability to taste. And this is an amazing taste and it's awesome and it's incredible. It's a moment where we can just stop. Anytime we stop, and we recognize the work of God in our lives and we're thankful for it, that is an attitude of worship. And anytime we do that, we take another step in our spiritual growth. So, so this week, this week, this week, one of the things that I would recommend when it comes to worship, to really focusing on who Jesus is and what Jesus wants to do in our life is spending some time reading our Bible just, just reading our Bible and saying a prayer. Now, I've had some people go, well, I don't really know how to read my Bible. I'm not, well, you know what? At one point, you didn't know how to ride a bike or drive, but we figured that out. It's, it's, we, it, it really is this exercise where we just kind of step into it and worship, starting our day in worship in, in a time of Scripture is just a really good way to get our mind focused. So what would it look like this week? What would it look like? And you don't have to do this. It's just a recommendation. As we just said, you know what? Every morning, I'm going to get up about five minutes early. I'm going to read a psalm. You can start in Psalm 1. And you know, starting tomorrow morning, you'll read Psalm 1. And then Tuesday, you'll read Psalm 2. And Wednesday, you'll read Psalm 3 and Thursday. And they're not very long. The, the first seven or eight psalms are not very long. And you just stop and say, thank you, God, for, for this time. And you just kind of move on. Now, some people are like, well, I read an hour a day. Well, let's build a statue for you and worship you, right? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's not about what you, because this is the deal. This is the deal. In church culture today, a lot of people love to tell you how good they are at worship. Have you ever met anybody that said, well, you know, I read my Bible for an hour today and I journaled for 30 minutes? Which, by the way, can I just put this out there? I don't, I don't even know if this is okay to say. I hate journaling. Anybody hate journaling? Anybody hate the journal? I hate the journal. Maybe you love the journal. Maybe that's your thing. But if you love the journal, shut up about it because I hate <laughs> I'll write a note or something, but God, I've met people that can write pages and pages, and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I'm ADD, and I'm on meds. Um, so, but, but a lot of people will tell you about how much worship they're doing. And Jesus addressed this. It's really funny. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, this is what Jesus said. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So if you begin to tell people about how passionate you are of a worshiper you are, and people go, hey, good job, that's your reward. 
That's your reward. Because I wrote this down, and, and I, it hit me this week. This thought hit me this week, and I wrote this down so I would say it just right. Worship is not about seeking man's approval, but delighting in God's approval. Worship is not about seeking man's approval, but delighting in God's approval. So at Second Chance, one of these days when we actually do get a brick and mortar building, you know what? I'm not going to judge. I'm not, I'm not going to judge how somebody does or does not worship. You know what worship is? Worship is when somebody takes a next step in their walk with Jesus. And I don't care if it's a baby step or I don't care if it's a gigantic step. Anytime somebody takes a next step in their walk with Christ, we are going to celebrate it because it's an act of worship. So, with that in mind, let me just ask a couple questions. Has this week been a week where you've been more entitled or more full of gratitude? Now, I don't, I don't ask that to make anybody feel guilty because you can't do anything about this past week, but you can change the upcoming week. Is there, is there, something, is, is there something that you need to do to just kind of slow down, even if it's just five minutes, and kind of rest in what God has done for us rather than trying to do more for him is there an area of your life that you've been close handed on that you just need to open up your hands and say yes lord i want to do what you want to do and how can you this week how can you for i, I recommended the bible but how can you intentionally take some specific focused time and really put your eyes and your thoughts on god even if it's just for two or three minutes even if it's just for two or three minutes that is an act of worship. And let me just say this before we, before we um, close in prayer. Second Chance Church is going to grow. I have no idea how big. I have no idea, but we are going to reach people far from God. Last week was just a, it was just, it, it was God's grace is what it was, but it was just a small picture of the fact that there are so many people that are so far from God and at the end of the day, we're called not to judge them, but to reach them. And we're going to do whatever it takes. We're going to be a local church with a global vision and reach as many. I wrote, I wrote this down this morning just as a thought on the, in the side of my Bible. As many people as, as, many people as possible. That's how, as many people as possible. So if you want to be a part of a growing church, continue to pray for us and support us because we're going to do whatever it takes to reach people far from God. With that in mind, can we close in prayer? Father, thank you so much for everybody who is tuned in online today, for everybody that's in the room today. And Father, I pray that we'll do what we'll, we'll just do whatever it takes to grow in you. My head's bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you need just to take a second and say thank you, God, for, I don't know, your house, your health, your family, your friends. Maybe you need to commit this week to just carving out a five-minute section and resting in the Lord. Maybe there's an area where you've just been closed and you just need to say, you know what, God, not my will, but yours be done. And maybe this week has been, your attention has been we live in a nation where there's so many tragedies taking place and we can focus on the tragedy and we just need to stop and say, God, even though this world is completely out of control, 
you're still in control. And maybe you're here today watching and you've never asked Jesus to come in your life because you thought it was about activity. You thought it was about what you have to do in, in order to get God's approval. You thought about it's all about being good, but, but receiving Christ is simply recognizing, you know what? I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Jesus died on the cross for me to pay for my sins, and I want Him. I want that payment. I want Him. I want His life in my life. So if that's you, and you want to pray to receive Christ, Right where you are, if you're in your car or if you're in a coffee shop or you're in your living room, I want to invite you to ask Jesus to come in your life right now. And you can do that just by saying, just praying right there in your heart, just saying, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Take over, take control. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you're watching on Church Online, if you just prayed that prayer, would you hit the hands button just so you could raise a hand so we could know that you prayed to receive Christ? Or if you're watching on Facebook, you can um, shoot us an email just at um, prayer at perrynoble.com, prayer at perrynoble.com, and we'll get that. want to celebrate it with you. Ed, we got hands going up. We have anybody that has received Christ today? So far, we have one. And you know what? Last week, we had 47, and we celebrated 47. But today, we're going to celebrate one. I told you all at the beginning, I was being prophetic right there. I didn't know. Prophetic, not pathetic. Prophetic. And so, so super excited about somebody receiving Christ. Hey, super excited about Easter services. And for those of you, let me just kind of pause and say, for those of you that are giving to Second Chance Church, you're financially giving, thank you so much. Because of the way that you give, because of your generosity, we're actually going to be able to rent the venue, to rent a sound system, and to pull off what we're hoping and praying is going to be a really awesome Easter service. Once again, Easter weekend, March 31st and April 1st, March 31st at 6 p.m. This is Eastern Standard Time, um, people have asked. Uh, and then April 1st at 915 and 11.15, the Bleckley Station, downtown Anderson. Um, eventually, we'll have directions on how to get here and all that stuff on our website. But we've had a lot of people reach out um, and say, hey, we're coming. We've had somebody from Kentucky this week say they're driving in. Somebody from Indiana said they're flying in. Um, somebody from South Africa that said they're coming. I made that last one up. It just <laughs> sounded good. But we've got people coming. And so here's, here's what we've... Um, here's what we've got to do in order to make sure that everybody has a seat. We're going to be doing tickets, free tickets, okay? Free, free, free tickets, no catch, free tickets. And so we're going to ask people to go online and to register for the free tickets. Now, and we're going to ask for your, your name and your email address. By the way, give us the correct email address because that's the email address we're going to send the tickets to. So if you give us a fake one, you, you don't get their tickets, all right? And at Easter services, we're, we're literally going to have two lines because we're going to try not to turn anybody away. But the people with tickets are going to get priority seating. And if you don't have tickets, um, if the room doesn't fill up, we will let those people in. But we're expecting um, record crowds, and so we're going to do free tickets. Now, here's how you get the free tickets, okay? You go to the Second Chance Church website. It's www.mysecondchancechurch.com. 
www.mysecondchancechurch.com. And on the website, that's, by the way, where you can also give. For those of you that have been asking, where can I give? In the upper right-hand corner, is you hit the Give button. But for those that want tickets, you go to that website. You hit the service. You, hit the t- it'll, it's, you can't miss it. You can't miss it. It's right in the middle. It's right there. It's, boom! It's like right there, okay? You click on the button. Register for tickets. Listen, don't get like 75. You can't get 75. We've capped the number of tickets that you can get. Please only get tickets for the people that you know are coming, okay? People that you know are coming with you or you're going to invite. Please, and listen, only get tickets for one worship service. We've had people say, I'm going to sit in all three worship services. I'm super excited that you want to do that, but we're trying to make room for as many people as possible. Even if you're going to serve the other worship services, which by the way, more information will be coming out this week on, on how you can specifically volunteer. And so if you're interested in volunteering, we'll be dealing with that later on the week. Right now, we're just dealing with the tickets. Um, 6 o'clock on Saturday, 9.15, 11.15 on Sunday. You can go to the Second Chance website, get free tickets. Once again, only get tickets for the people that you know are coming with you or you're inviting with you um, because that's going to help us to make sure that everybody can have a seat. This is, this is about so you can have a seat. So we're hopefully not going to have to turn anybody away. Super excited about that. Did I leave anything out, Carly? Did I cover everything? Okay, Carly thinks we're good. So we're good. Thank you for joining us online today. It's been super exciting. Don't miss next week as we talk about um, the third G, and it's, it all has to do with our spiritual gifts and how specifically God wants to use you to make a difference in the world. God bless. I love you. The best is yet to come.